with the Lord. Uh, so in the book of Jeremiah is where we will begin uh, and we'll read here a little bit. If you have your app, you can open up the app and the notes are right there. You can follow along right there in the app. My notes are right there. You don't have to stand. Please be seated. Thank you, Brother Stevenson, Brother Morrison. You can be seated. I'm going to be reading quite a bit here. Jeremiah chapter 1. Thank you so much, Sister Gother. Verse number 4 says this, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Most definitions of success include references to achieving goals, acquiring wealth, prestige, favor, and power. Quote unquote successful, successful people enjoy the good life, being financially and emotionally secure, being surrounded by admirers and enjoying the fruits of their labor. They are leaders, opinion makers, and even trendsetters. Their example is emulated. Their accomplishments are noticed. They know who they are and where they are going. By these very standards that I mentioned unto you just now, Jeremiah was a miserable failure. For 40 years, he served as God's spokesman to Judah. But when Jeremiah spoke, nobody listened. Every, anybody feel that way? All right. Jeremiah spoke and nobody listened. Consistently and passionately, he urged them to act, but nobody moved. That's what happens in my house with my children. I ask them to clean up their room consistently and passionately, but nobody moves. You, you, you hear me? But as soon as I say snack, I'll tell you, they, they're the first ones to move and run right away and the whole room be clean. You just offer my kids a couple of fruit snacks and the house would be spick and span. He certainly did not attain material success. He was thrown into prison. He was taken to Egypt against his own will. He was rejected by his neighbors, his family, his friends, his very audience, and the kings of that day. In the eyes of the world, Jeremiah was not a success. But in the eyes of God, Jeremiah was one of the most successful people in all of history. Success as measured by God involves two key components. This is important to highlight or write down. Obedience and faithfulness. Obedience and faithfulness. Regardless of opposition and personal costs, Jeremiah courageously and faithfully proclaimed the word of God. He was obedient to his calling. Jeremiah was obedient to his calling. We must be obedient to our calling. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter number 1, Verse starting at verse number three, it says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertaineth unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature 
having escaped. Somebody say escaped. Thank the Lord for that. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, listen to this now, besides all this, he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, add to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall never be barren, nor unfruitful in the knowledge, though. You see that? Nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see, listen, afar off. Notice it says they're blind, but they cannot see afar off. They're only nearsighted, not farsighted. We must remember what the book of Hebrews, let's not forget the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. It says this, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. And because they were able to see it afar off, they were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. See, if you are blinded afar off, you cannot embrace and be persuaded by what God has already promised you. Amen. That's why we must be adding to our faith continually so that we are not barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Continue on in verse number nine. It says, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Going back to second Peter. And then wherefore? Verse number 10, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Make your calling and election sure. Each child of God has a purpose in life, but some are appointed and anointed by God for a specific kind of work. I'm going to say that again. Each child of God has a purpose in life, but some are appointed and anointed by God for a specific kind of work. It is important for us to get this, that God will never appoint you a task without anointing you for that task. There are some people that will appoint themselves without the anointing. There are some people that feel like they are called to be leaders or pastors. They will appoint themselves to the position, but they're not anointed for the position. God will never place you in any position without anointing you first for the position. Matter of fact, some people use titles to give themselves power because they lack the power that comes with the anointing. And we will quickly find out who is anointed or who has appointed themselves. There are many preachers and teachers. I'm, I'm here to tell you there are many leaders that have appointed themselves to leadership, but they're not anointed by God. That's why I say you must be careful because every voice has a spirit behind it. I don't care what they call themselves. I don't care how many YouTube follows they have. I don't care how big their social media following is. I don't care who they are. If they're not anointed by God, I'm not listening to you. You can have... As many letters as the alphabet is, is behind you. If you're not anointed by God, 
you can't help me. I need someone that is anointed by God. Because it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Amen? So it's important to understand that, that if you are assigned a task by God, he has already anointed you for that task. Remember that King David was anointed king long before he was appointed to be king. And many of us, just like King David, will be anointed in the secret place. Don't think you just have to be anointed in front of everybody else for people to recognize your gift and calling. No, the Bible says your gift will make room for you. Amen? If you are anointed by God, God will make the room for you so that people will recognize, oh, they're anointed of God. There's an anointing on you. There's a calling upon you. Amen? I didn't have to bust through these doors saying, I'm the next pastor. <laughs> Amen. That's right. God had anointed me to be a pastor long ago, and then God appointed a certain time and place for me to become that pastor. Yeah. Amen. I didn't have to come out of a phone booth saying, I'm not, here I am. No. If I would have did that, they'd have said, well, no, you're not. <laughs> you're in the wrong place, brother. See, some folks think they have to do that in order to get attention. No, my friend, I'm telling you, that's not the will of God. Neither is that the anointing of God. Jesus didn't even come that way. Amen. So whatever work you do should be done for the glory of God. If God gives you a specific task, accept it cheerfully and do it, somebody say, with excellence. The best you can. You do it with excellence. Can I, can I talk to you just for a little bit? Okay. I, 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 I'm going to go to the world real quick because we're going to apply this. Brother Eric Pruitt, you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You, you're in the training field. You, you, you deal with people all the time. But one thing that I found when I was working in the corporate world was that when people were losing focus, when people didn't want their job anymore or they thought they deserved another job or a different position, they would not work with excellence anymore. They would lose focus and not work as hard at the job they are performing. You will notice them coming in late or leaving early. You will notice them not performing at the level that they should because they don't want this job anymore. Or they feel like they're underpaid. They're overqualified. I deserve a promotion. So they lose focus and track and they're not working with excellence but the problem is, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that when they do that, that people are watching them lose focus while they're doing that job, and then they miss out on the opportunity that God could be opening for them the next time in my preaching. Amen. Did y'all catch that? So whatever you're doing, wherever God has you, do it with excellence. Don't worry about where you think you should be. Just do what you're doing the best you can be. And then when the next opportunity comes, God will just open up that door and you'll walk right on through. I have promoted people when I was in the corporate world. I've promoted people that had less talent, but because of their work ethic, I promoted them over somebody that had more talent. They had more talent, but they didn't have the excellence. Someone else had less talent, but they had the excellence. So I said, I'll take you. Because I know you may not be able to do it at the level this person can, but you're going to give it all you can. And I can help you get to their level. 
I'm trying to tell you, that's how the Lord looks at things that we do. Everything that we do on our job or here at the church, kingdom work or in the natural, we must do it with excellence. It matters. When you're driving that bus, it matters. You better drive that bus good. Stop at the stop sign. Complete stop. <laughs> Everything we do, and I thank God for every bus ministry worker, every Sunday school teacher, everyone at the door, our ushers, our greeters, our next step team. I'll tell you, I thank the Lord for every one of them. Everybody. But when we do it, we do it with excellence. And God will see what you're doing. That's why King David was promoted to king, because what he did with those few little sheep, as his brother said, he did it with excellence. He did it with excellence. Let me get back to my notes here. Where am I at? If God has not given you a specific assignment, then seek to fulfill the mission common to all believers. That is to love, obey, and serve God. So even if you're not doing anything or you feel like you should, we should all be loving, obeying, and serving God. <laughs> Amen? We should all be doing those things. The scripture says, going back to Jeremiah, starting at verse number four, chapter number one. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came out the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. He anointed him before he even received his appointment. You see that? I sanctified you, ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Then said I, oh, oh, oh Lord God. Uh, 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 now all of a sudden he can't talk uh, uh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't speak and then if you think I can speak well I, I'm just a child but the Lord said unto me say not that I am a child for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee and whatsoever I command thee thou shalt speak be not afraid of their faces for I am with thee to deliver thee saith the Lord Oftentimes, when I'm giving advice to early young preachers or even those that minister in song, they're hesitant to look at people's faces. You know, they, and sometimes folks will just close their eyes because they don't want to look at folks' faces. I'll tell them the best way to, to start out at least, don't just have your eyes shut the whole time. Just look right over their head. They'll never know. They think you're just looking at the person behind them. They'll never know. I learned that in public speaking class. I had to learn that in communication. I took a lot of communication classes because of my degree was in TV, radio, broadcasting. So they teach that in communication. They say, don't, don't you have to have eye contact. You have to be able to look. Have to, you, you can't just be up here talking and closing your eyes. You're disconnecting from the people. So they taught that in communication class. They said, if you have a hard time looking at their faces because folks looking at you like, Oh, what happens while I'm preaching? I see, because uh, I'm, I, I done grown, I'm matured. I look right at you now. <laughs> and I see, I just do this. And God said, <laughs> I go to the other side of the room. So if I give you a quick look and turn away, that means check your face, okay? Check your face. <laughs> I done told him myself, huh? I told check your face. And I'm like, that ain't, that ain't right. I mean, can, can I get somebody over here to smile at me? Praise God. Yeah, but... Just look right over their heads, just, just like I'm doing now. I'm, I'm looking back at that back wall. Nobody never know, but my eyes are up. 
God was telling Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces because sometimes the faces can intimidate you the most. Am I preaching? You can walk into a room ready, excited, ready to deliver something, and just by the look of their face, you say, oh, no. <laughs> he said, don't be afraid of their faces. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Verse number nine. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. I'm telling you, my friend, we ought to ask the Lord, touch my mouth, touch my mouth. Put the words in my mouth that I can speak and say what needs to be said. That's why I'm challenging every believer, every member of this church. Talk to 10 people. Don't be afraid of their faces. Talk to 10 people. See if you can get two of them to say yes. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Talk to 10 people. Don't be afraid. Lord, touch my mouth. Give me the words to say. Pastor is challenging us this year. Talk to 10 people. See if you can get somebody to say yes. Be baptized. In the name of Jesus. Now, some of you go ask the Lord, Lord, you got to touch my mouth real good. <laughs> you, you, you got to really have to touch. Matter of fact, you need to touch it, open it, speak. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at your faces right now. I'm looking at your faces. Uh-huh. Just ask the Lord to do it. That's the first step. If you never ask him to, right, we have not because we just asking to often people often, excuse me, people struggle with new challenges because they lack self-confidence. They feel they have inadequate ability, inadequate training, or they lack experience. God's message to Jeremiah was like his message to Moses. The God who made our mouths can provide the words he wants us to speak. Obedience demonstrates our faith and trust in God. Obedience is the key to our success. Obedience is the sure and promised way for unlocking blessings for our lives. For us to be able to fully obey, we must read his word every day and ask God to empower us with his Holy Spirit so that our life is going to honor him. Look at what it says here in Jeremiah chapter number two. Go to chapter number two with me, starting at verse number three. Follow me here. It says Israel was holiness. You, you see the past tense word? You, you, you see that? Israel was holiness unto the Lord and the first fruits of his increase. That's why it's important for us to support Israel. Amen. Amen. That's why it's important for us to give, pray, support Israel. Holiness unto the Lord. It was the first fruits of his increase. All that, now here's the reason. Look, look, look at what the Bible says. All that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, what iniquity have your fathers found in me? That they are gone far from me and have walked after vanity. And are become vain. Looks at verse number six. It says, neither said they, where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt? 
that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of droughts and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt. They never said anything like this. And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when you entered, you defiled my land. I want to pause here for a moment. We must have homes that are pleasing unto the Lord. Some of the things that we have, the possessions that we have, you know, if it wasn't for the goodness of the Lord, you would not be where you are. The Lord has brought many of us from a long way to bring us where we are right now. And how dare us defile what the Lord has given unto us. cannot defile what the Lord has blessed us with. The vehicle you drove here with, you better thank the Lord for. The house that you're going back home to, you better thank the Lord for. The clothes that's on your back, you better thank the Lord for. The food that's on your table, you better thank the Lord for. How dare we defile what God has blessed us with? Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. God first homes. God first homes. That's what Israel has now come to the place to where they have defiled it. Scripture goes on to say, uh, in verse number eight, well, let's, let's just read verse number seven one more time. I brought you into the plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when you enter, you defile my land and made mine inheritance an abomination. Listen what he says here, verse number eight. The priests said not, where's the Lord? They weren't asking where the Lord was. And they that handle the law knew me not the pastors also transgressed against me and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walk it after things that do not profit that's why I'm always reiterating every voice has a spirit behind it the pastors the ones that keep the law, the priests, the prophets, none of them were of God. No wonder Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah was crying consistently and continually for this nation. He was crying out for him. But look at what the Lord says about Jeremiah crying. Let's go to Jeremiah. Turn to your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter number 14. Go to Jeremiah chapter number 14. We're going to do a little skip reading here. Jeremiah would cry. Jeremiah 14, starting at verse number 11. Look at what the Lord said, though. Then said the Lord unto me, don't pray for these people for good. You see this? Don't, don't, don't pray for these people for good. It says, when they fast, I won't hear them. I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offerings and an obligation, I'm not going to accept that either. Oh, God, help us. Help us, Lord. But I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. Look at Jeremiah. <laughs> he says, oh, no, Lord, no, no, Lord, no. Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say unto them. These are the prophets speaking unto them. You shall not see the sword, neither shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace. In this place, you see how a lying spirit can get a hold 
If you listen to the wrong voice, the wrong person, you see how you can be caught up in a lie. Church, my friend, I'm telling you, be careful. I don't care if they are a part of the denomination that we support or not. Be careful. You better make sure they are anointed of God. I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to help you. It matters because we can listen to the wrong voice and have us going the wrong way. We can believe a lie and be damned. He said, no, Lord, the the prophets are telling them this stuff. They won't see the sword. They're not going to die. They're not going to have any famine. They're going to have peace. Verse number 14, then the Lord said unto me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I didn't send them. I sent them not. Neither have I commanded them. Neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and the deceit of their heart. See, obedience in human behavior is a form of social influence in which a person yields to explicit instructions or orders from an authority figure. See, there are many people that are not yielding to the voice of the Lord, but then they got the nerve to say, thus saith the Lord. Did not come from the Lord at all. Didn't come from God at all. But yet they have the nerve to say, thus saith the Lord. Are you hearing me, church? Be careful of the voices that you're listening. I don't know why I'm hitting on this, but I'm hitting on it. Uh, Be careful of the voices that you're listening to. Be careful of the voices that are trying to speak into your life. If you ever have anyone, can I pause here and just teach for a moment? If you ever have anyone speak into your life or if you have something that comes to you and you're not sure, you come to your pastor immediately. You come to me, you don't wait a day, you don't wait 48 hours, you do not wait, you come to me immediately. Because all that will do is plant a seed of confusion and we know God is not the author of confusion. Are you with me church? Amen. Because just like God has his prophets and he speaks to his people, oh yes he does, the devil's also using people too. The devil's using people too to cause confusion in the church. To cause confusion in the people. Oh yes he does. Yes he will. Yes he does. But in order for us to have obedience, we must submit ourselves to a greater authority. And that greater authority is only through Jesus Christ. Somebody say obedience. The song, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That is a song of obedience. That's what that is. My wife and I are taking the time uh, as I'm, you know, we're challenging every family to get with their, get with their, their loved ones, their families once a week. My wife and I, well, just to go through your like this, we're tracing it back all the way to Abraham. So I'm t- we're teaching our kids their understanding of their heritage that belongs to them all the way back to Abraham. So we're helping them understand just simple things, right? Abraham, what do you have? Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God and Jacob had his name changed to Israel. And then Jacob had 12 sons. Those are known as the 12 tribes or the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those sons was named Joseph. Joseph was the one with the coat of many colors. They say, oh yeah, I remember that. You know, I say, praise God. Sister Metaphys teaching something. The coat of many colors and, you know, from the coat of many colors, remember, they got mad. They got upset with him and they, they sold him off and they threw him into this ditch. They took his jacket. They lied to their father. He got sold off into slavery and that's how he ended up in Egypt. They said, oh, these stories go together. I said, yes, they do. 
And that's how he ended up in Egypt. And then when he was in Egypt, he was able to interpret dreams. God gave him that ability to interpret dreams. And, he had to, and the king, had a, the Pharaoh, had a vision. He didn't understand it. And they said, hey, it's going to be a great uh, harvest for seven years. And there's going to be famine for seven years. And, and because the favor was on Joseph, he allowed him to save up and store up because the famine that was coming. And then, long story short, as I'm trying to teach to these kids, that's how his family ended up in Egypt. And then I teach him. I teach him certain numbers that are important. I say, how many ended up, and I have them read in the scripture, how many actually came into, into Egypt at that particular time? They raise their hand and say, 70. I'm like, that's right. There was 70 of them that came into Egypt at that particular time. And that's how they ended up in Egypt. They may have started with 70, plus Joseph and his family, his children, of course. But then they ended up with thousands, millions of them probably. And then that's how they got put in slavery because another Pharaoh came who knew not Joseph. They didn't know him. They didn't understand him. And so they said, well, we got to do something with these folks because what if we go to war and they partner up with the enemy and they come against us? We got to put them in bondage. And I said, that's how that comes. And they wanted to kill off all the male childs. And that's how Moses comes to the place. They said, oh, these stories really go together. So, yes, they do. Moses was 40 years old. I can keep on going now, y'all, you know. Moses was 40 years old. And, and then he came of age and he came to himself and he seen one of his own people being treated bad so he killed him tried to hide the body but it was too late word had already got out so Moses had to run and because he was in Egypt for 40 years and 40 years later that's when God spoke to him in the burning bush what's 40 plus 40 80 so how old was Moses when God spoke to him in the burning bush they said 80 I said that's right God spoke to him then he came back let my people go let my 10 plagues you know three of or reflect especially quietly and deeply to ponder on something is like meditation, which implies a definite focusing of one's thoughts on something in order to understand it deeply. The author of Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 15 says, makes a, excuse me, he makes a good point here. It says this, a simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. It is important for us that we give thought to who we are and what we're doing. We're not here just simply because we stumbled upon this. You may stumble in, but if you keep stumbling, you're going to stumble your way right back out. Are you hearing me, church? At some point, you've got to say, I'm grounded. I'm like a tree planted by the rivers of waters and I shall not be moved. You can stumble in. Somebody can invite you. Someone can do this. You can stumble across or stumble in. But at some point, you've got to plant two feet and say, this is it. And I love this gospel truth. I'm not going anywhere. But you have to have it here. And it takes a life of obedience. Because I've learned a long, long, long time ago. I can say it and say it, but if I don't obey it, it doesn't mean one thing. I can say it. I can quote it. I can obedience. Help us, God, to obey your word. That we are obedient.
obedient to it. I'm talking about every letter, everything from Genesis to Revelations that you bring to us. Help us, oh God, to mature in this gospel that we may go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Help us, God, not to maintain on one level, but help us, Lord, to elevate in our faith. Help us, Jesus, to believe that there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who's Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in us all. Help us, oh Lord, right now to obey this gospel truth in the death, burial, and resurrection. Help us, Jesus, to repent of our sins, be baptized in your name, and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout obedience. 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 It takes a life of obedience. I want to see it. I want to hear it. And I want to be a doer. I must be obedient to the word because listen to me. When you have a love for truth, you obey it when everybody else doesn't obey it. You obey it when people in your household don't obey it. Amen. I can take it a step further. You even obey it if your pastor gets off track. You stick with truth. You don't stick with Eddie Robinson if Eddie Robinson gets off track. No, you stick with truth. But you got to love it that much that you don't fall in. See, I, 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 I tell folks all the time, if I preach a message and you come up to me and you're more inspired by me than you are by the word, something is off. The only reason why you should really come to me for anything is because you love what you heard from the word. Are you with me? There are people following people and not following the book. And when the person stumbles, they all stumble. Blind leading the blind. They both fall into a ditch. Amen? That's why we've got to fall in love with truth. And be baptized with the spirit of obedience. Help me, God, because when I hear it, I want to obey it. Hallelujah. Help me, Lord, when I receive it. Help me, Lord, to walk in it. Help me, Lord God. It doesn't matter how you was raised, how you was brought up. We've got many folks that come from a lot of different walks. But when I see it, when I hear the word being preached, help me, God, to obey it. And help me, Lord, not to hesitate. But let me walk by faith, move by faith, knowing that he'll take care of the rest. Amen. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord and love him right now. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good. Let's stand to our feet as we close. Praise God. You're going to hear me continue to teach on this love for the truth. I want to keep talking about it. We've got to love it. These newborn babes that's coming in, those that's just recently been baptized or filled with God's spirit, you've got to fall in love with this truth. This is it right here. This is what's kept me. It's this. As much as I love my parents, I love my mother and father, I love how they raised me, how they brought me up, I'm sorry, but it's this that's kept me. It's this. And this is the only thing that will keep you. But you got to fall in love with it. And when you love it, you'll obey it. You'll obey it when it hurts. You'll obey it when it doesn't feel good. Amen. I hurt my wife once every uh, five or six years. 
Okay, yeah, that's not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, little more than that. But we're still together. Because we're in love. And we love each other through the hurt. Oh, I love this gospel truth through the hurt. Through the hurt, through the pain. I may not even fully understand it, but I'm going to obey that because I read it in God's word. And I have found that when you obey something, even when you don't fully understand, God will give you understanding. By and by. I used to hear that said all the time. By and by to the what? When the morning comes. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Help us, oh God, that we may fall in love with truth. Help us, Jesus, to be obedient to the word. I thank you, oh God, for your word today, giving us an understanding of how you called Jeremiah, how you are calling us, oh Lord, to go out and talk to our family, friends, those that are around us, not to be afraid of their faces, but to be obedient to your word. Touch every mouth that is in here today, oh God. Give them the words to say, Lord. Help them, Jesus, right now, because I believe discipleship is the key. I believe, oh God, that you have anointed each and every man, woman, boy, and girl to disciple somebody else. I pray in the name of Jesus that we may fall in love with truth, fall in love with you, oh God, that we may obey it, even when it hurts. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord.